Hey, what's up, podcast family? This is Mike Signorelli, the lead pastor of V1 Church. Listen, you are probably a type A personality if you hit a link to a podcast to listen and to grow in the middle of your week. And so you probably can identify with Martha in scripture. I'm gonna tell a very powerful story uh, about Martha and Mary, who Jesus says, Mary does the only thing that's essential for us to do in life. What is that? You're gonna have to listen. It's so powerful. This is the first installment in our new series, The Healthy Soul. And without further ado, check it out. Awesome. Hey, if you're a first time guest, second, third time, if you're a third time guest, you just, you're basically a member. I'm sorry. You come back to this three times, you're in. It's done. Somebody just got a little, the commitment phobes just were like, oh, what did he say? I just wanted to hide out. Um, but you know, we want to welcome you. My name is Mike Signorelli. I'm the co-lead pastor. You all heard from my wife, uh, Pastor Julie, just a little bit ago. And um, man, it just felt so good. First service was incredible. I believe that God's got even more for you, partly because I have more time to preach it. And uh, if you have your Bibles, can you just turn to Mark chapter 8? Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Man, we love... Um, just what's happening in our midst, it's crazy. Only God can get credit for these kinds of stories. You know, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about, um, and is it okay if I teach today a little bit more than preach? I tried to, like, um, get all my screaming out in the, on the front end. So if you're visiting, it's like, I, you know, that was just a big dose of screaming so I could teach you today. But, you know, one thing that I never understood growing up was that we never could go on a vacation because I had a single mom, five kids, whatever. And I kind of had this, like, I, this, this thing in my mind that, like, you work very hard. Like, when you're in middle-class America, you work very hard. Then you go on vacation to get rejuvenated, and then you can actually go back to working hard. That was kind of, like, my idea behind, um, oh, hey, it's water on water. Thank you. So I, uh, they just see me sweating. My wife's like, you better not take that jacket off when you're preaching because you look so cute. So anyways, hashtag refreshed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so people go on vacation and they get refreshed and then they come back. Well, then when I was 21 years old, Julie's parents for our like wedding present gave us Disney Vacation Club points and we were able to go like, and that was my first vacation of my life was actually 22 years old. We got married young. We wanted to be like those Christian hippies that just like played music and just got married young and served the Lord and it works out, right? Not really. <laughs> um, and that was kind of the plan we were on. So at 22, I go on my first vacation, and I'm in, I'm in Disney, and I'm at Boardwalk, for those of you who know Disney, and I see this family having an argument, okay? And I'm not kidding. It was like the, the kid goes, I don't want to go to Magic Kingdom. I want to go to the animal, the wilderness lodge. And I, I almost slapped that person's kid for them. <laughs> I felt it rising up. The hood was, I was like... Shaking, Julie's looking at me. What kind of parents are he going to be? But I was just like, I could not believe this kid was standing in the epicenter of happiness on planet Earth, 
telling his parent, you just spent thousands of dollars for this and I want Wilderness Lodge. You know what Wilderness Lodge was for me growing up? It was having to go pee outside because nine people lived in the house and you had one bathroom. That's Wilderness Lodge. I write my own content, by the way. <laughs> I was like, that's good. But I, I, I just, here's the... <laughs> But I just thought it was absolutely ridiculous that people will pay money to go on vacation and yet find no vacation. Somebody say, don't hold your breath. You know, here's the other thing that I realized after traveling to other countries and seeing how people do life. We have a problem losing weight here. And in much of the world, they have a problem gaining it. Like, how is it that we can Chipotle, Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A is like the embassies of God on planet Earth, by the way. It just actually descended. It's not even a man-made idea. Chick-fil-A just descended from heaven. Like, is that the new Jerusalem? No, it's Chick-fil-A, man. The Americans just need more chicken. I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to have fun because I'm going to ruin your life at the end of this message. I'm just telling you, man. I'll tell you the Bible today. Mark chapter 8. Um, here's the thing though, we can be so well fed and yet never satisfied on the inside. All the emo people, a tear just rolled down. Um, you know, we can be so entertained and yet so unfulfilled. I saw this video meme the other day on Instagram and it was actually this kid's face was on like the, the, um, like in, in the car was like on the, what do you call that thing? Yeah, the window. And... Everyone's like, I see how deep this is going today. <laughs> I see how deep they preach at V1. This is why they draw so many people. Okay, so it's on, and, he, and he's doing the electric window up and down, and it's going like that. And it says, life, childhood before cell phones. Do any of you actually remember looking out the window as a child? Do you remember that? You had to entertain yourself. There wasn't something being beamed from outer space into a device that could actually... You remember when the batteries ran out on your Game Boy and you were tortured by the reality that you actually had to think and imagine? Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> I have to use my mind! <laughs> you know, this is what life is for us. We're so entertained, yet so unfulfilled. And you know what really humbles me is going to other countries where people don't, where people have 3G and not 4G. That's a real thing. People, you, know, you know what? It's funny. The faster your internet gets, the, 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 the less fulfilled you are. I was in another country where they only had 3G and everyone started having these things called conversations. And they were looking each other in their eyes and it wasn't awkward and they didn't have any like social fear over speaking with each other. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I think what, what, you know, what has happened, particularly here in America, that we just, we just are so unfulfilled. And so this series we're going to deal with is all about having a healthy soul and the necessity for having a healthy soul. Because when you can get your inside right, everything from around, inside out begins to come to life around you. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 through 7 says in the Passion Translation, for what use is it to gain all the wealth, all the power that Gary Vaynerchuk Chuck taught you how to get in that 38 second message that inspired you for about 39 seconds before you flip to the next thing on Instagram. Anyone else have that translation? 
What use is it to gain all the wealth and the power in the world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? You know, we were driving in the car the other day and I asked my wife, you know, who's our resident theologian in our house, Julie, as a co-lead pastor of V1, what is your soul? What is the soul? We, we talk about it all the time, but what is the soul? And she was like, I don't know. I haven't had enough coffee yet. Leave me alone. <laughs> so can I just help my wife and all of you guys out today? You know, most of our life is lived from the inside. It's from the inside. It's the conversations. You've had exponentially more conversations on the inside than you've ever had on the outside, with the exception of a few of you, a few, a few, uh, who talk a lot. And, you know, it's, it's, it's actually funny to me as a pastor because you are not a physical being that sometimes has spiritual experiences when you come to V1 Church and they're screaming out, show me your glory. You are actually a spiritual being having a temporary physical experience here on planet earth. That's who you are. And we got to go back to Genesis chapter two, the beginning of the creation of man. It says this, then the Lord God formed the man of dust. And it says that from the ground, he formed us. And then he breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. This sort of gives us an insight into the understanding of what it means to be a soul and have a soul. See, God reaches down out of the earth that he creates, out of the dust and the dirt, and he begins to form man. But up until that point, it was just a really sexy, inanimate object. And all the women said, hey, Adam. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's Eve just screamed up there. You better look around, single people. But that, it, it was just a pile of dirt shaped like a perfect man. Because this was before the fall, so you know he was looking good. And all of a sudden, he's an inanimate thing. But it says this. It says this in the Genesis account that God breathed his breath into that dirt. And it became, mankind became a living, living creature. Therefore, your soul is the borrowed breath of God. What makes you a living creature isn't your body. Like Julie said, first service, hooping in the club. I don't know what that means. I've never hooped in a club. People who don't go to clubs say hooping in the club. That's okay. We'll take her to the club. Um, V1 Instagram takeover <laughs> from the club. Everyone's like, ah. But you know, your soul is actually the breathed breath of God. You know, really early this morning, I was actually meditating on this word that I was going to preach you today. And I was thinking about, and it was really comforting thinking about, like, I got half of my genes from my mom, half from my dad. And, you know, you get with that this, pre, um, this genetic predisposition for alcoholism, and you get a 50% chance for a genetic brain disease, and you get generational curses because they made mistakes before you did, and their, their father's father's father did, and you inherit a whole bunch of mess just being born here. Am I right? 
you inherit a whole bunch of mess just being born here. And I was thinking about that, but I was thinking about this definition of a soul. The fact that we are the breathed breath of God and that inside of me, the very essence of my being is this eternal breath of God that's been imparted into this temporary flesh that you're going to see. And there was just something comforting about the fact that there is a part of me that exists beyond, beyond what you see. Maybe today, if you curse the family that you come from, if you curse the very thing that birthed you into this world, if you've got issues with where you were raised and how you were raised, can I just tell you there's more to you than even what you see with your own eyes? And, and you know, Psalms 103 says it like this. I'm going to take you back to old school church right now. It says like this, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his Oh, man, come on, take me back. Give somebody a microphone over here. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You know what's funny about that is that Psalm 103 is regarded as one of the most pristine chapters in all of the Bible. I mean, yes, the entire Bible, the inspired word of God, but actually many theologians consider Psalm 103 uh, the entire gospel inside of one chapter. Matter of fact, there's 22 uh, letters in the Hebrew alphabet from beginning to end and it's interesting to me that you have 22 verses and it's it's just there's something about Psalm 103 that that seems to indicate indicate that that the reason for our existence is blessing the Lord with our soul like the, the thing that's most essential the thing that's most important in life is blessing the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me somebody say don't hold your breath You know, everyone here has a home. I I guess the question that I want to ask you is, when's the last time your soul has been home? You know, matter of fact, everyone's home has a smell. And to some, I'm just going to be honest because I have a very sharp, keen sense of smell. Some of your homes stink. (laughs) Have you ever gone to someone's house and been like, whoa, you know, and they're like, man, so good to be home. And they're just rolling around in millions of their accumulated skin cells and hair. And you're like, wow, wow, you love this place, don't you? And then you get back to your own home and you go to take a shower and you see that hair in the shower and you're like, but that's my hair. So it's not gross. You know what I mean? I love my own hair and my own shower. It feels so good to be home. Have you ever been to the Disney vacation? And no matter how magical that place is, your bed that you've had for 17 years from Ikea, you only paid 154 when you got it 17 years ago, is still more comfortable than that bed that you paid $1,000 to sleep in one night at Disney. You know what I'm talking about. Home sweet home. One of the biggest tragedies in life, according to most people, whether they're Christians or not, is to see people who are homeless because it's so hardwired inside of each and every one of us to have this instinctual need to be in a place that smells like us, that we wore. You know, dad has that chair in the living room where he's worn an imprint of his body into it. And you're thinking we're probably going to have to bury him in the chair, in the casket, in the ground. You know what I'm talking about. But I guess my question is to you, maybe if I could submit to you today, you're so weary and you're so tired And you're so scared because your soul has not been home. Maybe your soul's never been home. 
Maybe, maybe your soul has never been home. And I guess the question I've got to ask you, like Psalm 150, verse 6, this is the last psalm that you actually have in the collection of psalms. And, you know, oftentimes the last thing that you say is the most important thing. Psalm 150, verse 6 says like this, let everything that has breath, let everything that has soul do what? Praise the Lord. It's the last psalm ever recorded. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You know, it's funny because when Jordan gave his testimony about what happened to him here at this church, he's just one of many, many stories where people turn that corner on Michael Avenue off of 110 and they begin to come into the parking lot and they begin to weep and something started comes over them. And, you know, there's people who maybe that doesn't happen, but they get into this space and they've never been to a church like this. Maybe they, they tell me about how they came from a church where Jesus was still hanging on, on a cross or at least some visage of him. And, you know, they've got a portrayal of it. And I I don't know if you guys know this, but he's not hanging on that cross anymore, right? He was resurrected three days later in power, right? But maybe they come from that space where, you know, they, they take the wafer and they go through the motions up and down and they've done that. Maybe they haven't been back to that place in a while, but they come here to V1 Church and all of a sudden they tell me the same story every single time. They say that the words come up on the screen and maybe it feels like Christian karaoke their first time. You know, if you've never been to a church like this, you're like, oh, I get it. It's just a big Christian karaoke, with, but they ironically don't have wine like my last church. And they begin to form the words of a song they'd never heard before, and they begin to sing it out, some of them way out of key, but that's all right, because as they begin to sing, all of a sudden they said the tears begin to fall. And they say, I, I don't know how to explain what happened but I just started to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, with all that was within me. And I even consider myself an introvert, but this young guy got up there and asked us to raise our hands. I don't know why I did it. It felt like kind of like a, rap, a Christian rap concert, but I put my hands in the air and waved them like I really didn't care because something was happening in the supernatural realm. And I blessed the Lord, all my soul, and all that was in, within me. And, and all of a sudden, I begin to cry. People who tell me I didn't even cry. Somebody last service told me this in the hallway. I didn't even cry at the passing of my own family member. But I begin to worship and bless the Lord and form praises with my mouth. And I started to cry here in this space. Come on, somebody. And you know, here's why. For those of you who have not gotten the revelation when you take the borrowed breath of God, when you take the breath that he's given you, and all of a sudden you begin to form words of adoration and exaltation and praise back to him, and you take that breath and you give that breath back to him, your soul begins to go home. Because home is back to the source. Home is back to the being that breathed you. Home is all of a sudden leaning in close enough to his love so that your life starts to pour back into the source of life. That's what worship is. And that's why I can't explain that for 2,000 years across languages and continents and cultures, they've been doing this same thing, whether it's in a movie theater, whether it's in a home, an underground church in China, whether it's in the flooded plains of Colombia where they can't even afford Ford electricity they sing out because as they pour their breath out it goes back to the source and their soul finds home and you know I want to end on a story right now can I close it out for you guys I hate this story in the Bible 
And the reason why I hate this story is because I'm the wrong character in this story. And I have tried for the last year and a half to not preach this story I'm about to preach you. Because I feel like I so often lose here at this place that I'm about to describe to you. And I try so hard and I know it. I know it in my mind. But I'm the wrong character in this story so often. In the book of Luke, we have this description of a story that began to unfold when Jesus came to somebody's home. Maybe he saw their hair in the shower and thought, that's gross, but I made it, so I might as well redeem it. Maybe Jesus thought, I don't really like the food that they make. But anyways, he decided that he was going to hang out with them for a little while, and you had these two characters, Martha and Mary. And I hate this story because I'm the wrong character in this story because, see, Martha, she was like type A. Martha was one of those people that knows every transaction in her bank account. And if her husband goes to McDonald's and didn't ask because that ain't in the Dave Ramsey plan, you're getting a phone call while you're still up in that drive through line. That's Mary. That's Martha. Martha was one of those type A leaders who probably spent hour upon hour on the tone of their guitar to perfect it for the 30 minutes of worship on Sunday. I mean, Martha would have been that, that kind of leader that read every single book and, I mean, of leadership and unfolded into this masterful calendar that every single second of their life revolved around. I mean, could actually get across Long Island as if you were in a helicopter, but it was a soccer mom mobile. That was Martha. I mean, Martha just had her stuff down. She was a worker, and nobody ever called Martha lazy. And I know some of us in this room, some of us watching, some of us listening, take pride in how much we do. Some of us, we don't have one hustle. We have three hustles, and our side hustles have side hustles, and we don't even understand why people are broke because we ain't never been broke because we ain't never been lazy. That was Martha. I got any Marthas here? We got any Marthas here? I'll look like this. That was Martha. And so Jesus shows up. Now, this is, this is infinitely more significant than any political leader of their day. I mean, this is the savior of the world shows up to your house. I want you to imagine now Jesus is getting ready to show up to your house after this service is over. Some of you are about to run out here and, and hide something. <laughs> You're about to hide some, some something. <laughs> And Martha was just going through the motions and she was doing the dishes. And the book of Luke gives this account of, of her just doing what she always did. And then you got Mary. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Mary. Mary was one of those people when you're like, hey, Mary, what's your life goal? She would say like this, well, life is life, you know? Life is life. What's your plan, Mary? I don't know. I think I'm just going to eat glue and teach kindergarten art. You know, Mary was one of those people. She just, she was a feeler, man. She was an artist. You know? You know what I'm saying? You guys know Mary? <laughs> you know her? And, and Mary's just kind of like, something's happening in the room right now. I don't know what it is. I just, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Mary's like, hey, Mary, uh, your rent's due. How are you going to pay it? I'm just probably going to just believe God. 
And Mary's like, you better believe in that energy God gave you to wake up and get a job, girl. And these were probably the kind of discussions that they had. And now you find Jesus, and Jesus is teaching in the house. And all of a sudden, Martha's doing the dishes and the the noise of the dishes, the clanging, the sound. And all of a sudden, you have Mary, and and Mary's down on her knees, and she's just sort of taking in what Jesus has to teach in that moment. And you know, it's funny because sometimes when you see somebody who's, who's just enraptured in worship, when you see your friend reading the Bible instead of reading one of those 10 steps towards, towards success books, when you, when you see your friend cranking up the worship instead of cranking up the leadership talk. You're like, it seems so asinine and irrelevant to success. I mean, how could that actually be the right thing? And it kind of makes you mad because for me, I'm the, I'm the Martha in this story. I mean, I'm the strategist. I'm the go-getter. I'm the dude who wakes up early and goes to sleep late. I'm the guy who outruns the 20 year olds and can't understand why they're so tired all the time. I don't feel tiredness anymore. I had two kids already, okay? And, and I'm that person. And Martha gets up and looks at Mary and goes and tries to tattle on Jesus. It says, Jesus, look at her. And you know what Jesus does? He turns to Mary and he says this, and this is the most convicting line in Scripture for me. He bottom lines all of human existence and says, Mary's doing the only thing in this life that's essential. What? What? Mary's doing the only thing in all of human existence that's essential? She's not doing anything. She's not building anything. She has no assets. She has no bank account. She what? What? She's not doing anything. She doesn't even have a degree. She didn't even go to school. Mary's sitting at your feet. That's the thing that Jesus says is the only essential thing on planet Earth. What? And I hate that because it flies in the face. Gary Vaynerchuk would throw up in his mouth reading that scripture. I mean, it doesn't make any sense until you actually try it. It doesn't make any sense until you actually try it. And what happened is this. Why is it essential for Mary to be at the feet of Jesus? Why is it the only thing for you Everyone listening to my voice right now, the only essential thing in your life is to sit at the feet of Jesus because when you sit at his feet and you lean into his breath, when you lean into his breath, when you have the intimacy of prayer and a dialogue with him, all of a sudden you begin to bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. And all of a sudden your borrowed breath of God begins to be released and you breathe out and he breathes in and he breathes out and you breathe in and you begin to exchange and your soul, your vagabond soul begins to find its home. Your homeless soul begins to find its home and then you get up from that place then you go build the business then you get up from that place then you go build a marriage relationship then you get up from that place then you go build a ministry then you get up from that place and you do what God called you to do see Mary wasn't going to stay at his feet but she started at his feet 
And so many ministries start everywhere except for the feet of Jesus. So many businesses, they start everywhere except for the feet of Jesus. And I'm here to reclaim the only essential thing according to Jesus himself. Sit at his feet and receive what he's got for you. I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Would somebody stand to their feet? Wow, what a crazy, powerful time we had in that service. I'm sure that you're still reeling from what God was speaking to you. Here's the thing. What does it look like in reality right now to sit at the feet of Jesus? You don't stay there. For those of you who are like me or like, okay, so at what point do I conquer the world and do everything God called me to do? You do that after you first have been at the feet of Jesus. So what that looks like, I don't know, man. There are people in service who just, instead of standing up when I finish this message, they got down on their knees right there. Maybe for you, if you're at home, I don't know where you're at the gym, why don't you turn this podcast off and immediately say, Holy Spirit, I'm here to breathe your breath, to give you my breath, and just take a moment and do that. You know what? After you're done with all that, share this with a friend, and I'll see you guys next week.